Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Paul Martin's Crucial Conversations. Today, I am so excited. We have with us Larry Benz, who is the CEO of Confluent Health, and Eric Herklos, the CEO of Strive Physical Therapy. I'll tell you a little bit about each company. Confluent Health currently has 20 partnerships representing over 230 clinics nationwide. They also have 90 education partners and 850 plus workplace injury prevention sites. And the big news was on December 31st, they entered into a partnership with Strive Physical Therapy and Sports Rehabilitation that currently has 20 clinics, 23 clinics in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So we are so excited to have with us Larry and Eric. Larry and Eric, welcome. Well, thank you. Welcome to you too, Paul. Appreciate being here. Thank you, you, Paul. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate you both joining us. And again, congratulations to both of you as well as to your partners. You know, this is going to be an exciting day for both of you and for us as we together will get to relive the successes and challenges of what I believe is the largest transaction in the rehabilitation industry in 2020. So, Larry, let's start with you. Remind our audience on the mission of Confluent and how you and your partners have shaped Confluent really based upon your beliefs and values for this industry. Sure. Thanks, Paul. I'd be glad to. And let me start out there by starting at the end, which is our beliefs and values. Um, It's not going to surprise you that we're very optimistic and very long on our profession. I know sometimes we intermingle the word industry, but I still view it as a profession, uh, although I still use the term industry too. So uh, we're very optimistic. We think physical therapy are the best enabled providers to help solve a lot of the ills of healthcare as a, systemically as, as a system. And by that, I mean, we're the best able to um, face musculoskeletal patients and chronic pain patients. You know, that's 110 million Americans per year that receive it. And we think physical therapists are best positioned based on our ability to assess, diagnose, and intervene. We also believe we're the best lowest cost providers that do that. And so in a healthcare system that is by all means bloated, we think we're the um, force mediators or, 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 uh, that we like to describe when I was in the military. The way we envision doing that is through a series of private practice partnerships, because we really believe at the end of the day, entrepreneurial health creates the best innovation and the best delivery of all of healthcare. And to do that effectively, we've chosen to partner with many groups around the country in kind of what I refer to as a League of Nations approach. Confluent Health is just a holding company, but it's a holding company with really four interrelated businesses. Our largest by far are the physical therapy partnerships. Our partners are PTs and OTs that want to continue to grow, that want to continue to thrive, that have a history and a legacy of delivering unbelievable, unprecedented care, compassion, and service. Uh, In particular, we have partnerships that uh, span the ages of the 65 years, um, which is really hard to believe in, in, in a profession that is relatively young. Um, just in, in relative terms, that precedes Medicare, which Medicare was the first to really allow outpatient PT. So we, we are all about the legacy uh, and the building up of entrepreneurial practices. Our other three businesses are pretty integral for us. So we have an education company, Evidence in Motion. 
that trains therapists once they're licensed, certification, residency, fellowship. Um, and then we partner with educational institutes to deliver physical therapy programs. As you all know, PT programs are typically three years, 40 to 50 students, all on campus. Our programs are 100 students, two years, and are blended. And we've been doing this pre-COVID. We've been doing blended education for about 15 years. So when COVID hit, we were that was one side of our business that was almost largely unaffected in terms of the way we deliver um, our, our content. Our third business is Fit for Work. This is service provided by PTs, OTs, athletic trainers, in large scale companies around the US. Now we're in over a thousand sites and we deliver prevention model. Prevention does work. Employers have been paying for prevention for a long, long time now. And there's no question that it uh, eliminates injuries. So we have one company that treats injuries and we got another company that tries to prevent them. And then we have a company in the middle, Evidence in Motion, who also trains anybody that comes. So we actually train our competitors as well. So we, we love the ecosystem that we're in. And then in, uh, uh, in December, we also acquired Physical Therapy Provider Network, PTPN, which has been an IPA model since the mid-80s. Uh, you know, long, long time started by legendary founder Mike Weiper. We believe private practices and the elevation of practices is real critical to our company's mission. And that company does that specifically. It provides payer contracting, uh, credentialing. Uh, group purchasing and other types of uh, services to their members that are primarily in California, Arizona, with some in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Florida, and Louisiana, but the bulk of them are in California and in Arizona. So that's kind of the ecosystem of who Confluent is and how we envision a future, one in which allows physical therapists and occupational therapists to be enabled to do well what we are already doing pretty doggone well. Well, having known you for many, many years, um, and you have been continuing to, you know, drive this industry profession. And I loved what you said right at the very beginning, which we are a low cost, high value profession. And I think that that speaks to what you have created with, you know, the, the three headed monster <laughs> that enables um, you and Confluent um, really to, you know, work with a company like Strive and actually improve what they, what they already do well. Um, and so I congratulate you for all that you've done. Um, so Larry, how did you see Strive fitting into these principles and why was Strive a good match for Confluent? Well, you know, sitting down in the first five minutes with uh, Eric, Mark and Jamie, it's very clear that this is a company built on values. It's a company built to last. It's a company that's got, whose history is analogous to our history. Uh, I just happen to be a little bit older than, 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 than those three, but in any event, um, uh, and been doing it a little bit longer, but they built the company from scratch. It's a complete startup. On top of that, they did some tuck-in acquisitions along the way. They did some other growth opportunities, some joint ventures, some management agreements, and they did it the right way. They did it through um, you know, the old-fashioned school of hard knocks, providing unbelievable and unparalleled clinical excellence, compassion, service excellence. And that's easy to recognize. And so when you see that type of alignment, you're, re you're attracted to it. You know, on top of that, I think the other thing is they want to continue to grow. You know, Confluent is not a good match for companies that want to sell and exit. That's just not what we do. There are companies that, that, that are good at that. We're not one of them. We want to be with a group that wants to continue to flourish and that wants to do it in a collaborative way. 
Confluent is just a platform. It's a conduit, if you will. It takes our series of partnerships and filters their best practices, their innovation, and their street knowledge of, of what makes this thing work. And it inculcates them in a way that then allows us to disseminate to all of our partners equally in a way that's very, very collaborative and very, very successful. So it was no question that Strive's history uh, and their mission and values. And, and that's the, those are the key alignments. And, and obviously, they want to continue to stay and grow and be collaborative along the way. So uh, sure, it, was a, sure. it was a no-brainer from that standpoint. <laughs> so, Eric, you and your partners have built a practice that absolutely could stand on its own. And you did not have to sell and or partner um, to continue to thrive. Why did you guys decide to partner with Confluent? Um, we had gotten to a point, it was probably about a little, not this past summer, the summer before, where we recognized we were at a bit of an inflection point, meaning we were to a point where we had grown with our current infrastructure and support. And if we didn't do anything else, we didn't grow anymore, we were fine, but we knew we wanted to continue to accelerate. And we were looking at what we needed to do internally to build out a team to support that. And we wanted to weigh our options and we wanted to consider what, what other strategies might allow us to do that obviously doing it for ourselves. There are strategic partners out there. There's private equity groups out there. Um, but once we had the chance to sit down with Larry, it really kind of, it changed our thoughts and our approach as to how we wanted to do that. Um, as Larry talked about it before, you know, they take this entrepreneur and they almost give an entrepreneur more juice to grow and develop. And it, and it brings another energy and excitement with all the tools and support that are coming in. Um, after we had that meeting, it, you know, for, for all of us on our side, we walked away not only very impressed, but really dug deep and tried to figure out why it wouldn't work. At that, we walked out knowing this could be a great fit, but we're like, okay, what wouldn't work about this? And we, we couldn't come up with any good answers. And we realized this gave us all of our objectives we had laid in place prior to these meetings. And it gave it to us in a fashion we wanted while still maintaining our culture um, and our community within Strive. So Eric, from what I heard you say, it sounded like you started preparing for this going back almost 18 months. Um, yeah, so it was probably, if it wasn't, it was July of 19, that summer. I just remember, you know, sitting down with our partners and we sat down and said, look, this is where we are today. This structure, this model is only getting us so far and not because we hadn't done a great job. It was exactly what we needed at that point in time. But like any business, you hit certain inflection points along the road. And we knew we recognized we were at that inflection point. And it could be simple as we needed to build out our HR further. We needed more financial support. We needed more. We needed a more in-depth, robust compliance program. I can pick on these low-hanging fruit items. Um, things that if you have two, three practices, you're going to have that structure in place, but maybe not to the higher level. And as you grow, it will expand. And it goes way beyond just those things I mentioned. Um, but we, we fully recognized we were at a point where we needed to do a very big investment into those areas for the next stage of growth or consider, are there other options that we can do as we evaluate this that may be a better fit or may work or get us to our goals and hopefully their goals in a, with that right support. So Eric, what were the steps that you and your partners took in order to prepare for a potential partnership? So we had our meeting, we all came to an agreement that, you know, first and foremost, did we want to grow and develop? Like that was question number one, when we sat down that I asked my Mark and Jamie, I said, do we plan to continue to grow and develop? And it was kind of a softball question because everybody's like, are you serious? Of course we do. <laughs> so that led to, all right, we need to consider what our options are. We looked at what we needed to do internally, but then we said, all right, we want to consider what other options may be out in the market. So we needed to bring a broker in place. 
now. We were very fortunate to know really the, the, the best team and the best broker in the country in the world of physical therapy from MHA, Tom Carden, who did represent us. But, you know, we're no fools. So we did have to see what else was out in the market. We do know a lot of other groups in the market. So we did have some other meetings um, as well as meet with Tom just to feel confident and comfortable that not only did we believe that, but now we were proving it to ourselves. So inevitably met with Tom, told him what our goals and objectives are and let him drive the bus through that process of helping us put together our SIM, all of our data in the prettiest and nicest format possible, which would not have been my specialty, as well as well as help coordinate meetings with these individuals. So again, given Martin Healthcare's involvement um, in the deal, I recall um, you guys, the two companies signed a letter of intent back in late February of 2020, just before COVID literally took over the country. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> so Larry first, how did the typical process change based on Confluent and Strive now having to go to battle with literally the worst pandemic in history? Yeah, so a couple things. I mean, it's hard sometimes to put ourselves back in place of when COVID starts because there wasn't sort of this one event. It was a series of things that kind of deployed over the geographical United States in a matter of days and weeks. But the one thing I do recall is that there's a lot of uncertainty. And I think we'd all agree with that. There's uncertainty in the economy. There's uncertainty in patients in your own business. There's a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. Um, the one of the things I tried to assure um, Eric, Jamie, uh, and Mark right away is there's certainty about one thing. We stand by our deals. We don't walk away. When we form a partnership, it's a partnership. And so how we'll get through this, I don't know how this is going to navigate. But I do know this, there will be a time where we'll be able to call each other partners. Um, then what you really try to do is build each other up, you know, beg, borrow and steal various everything from, you know, how are you applying the CDC requirements and how are you doing this and really trying to, you know, pre-integrate your practice. Um, and so I think we did that over several weeks and several months. At the same time, you had a paycheck protection program come into being, which in effect was important but had its own series of implications. And um, and I know you have a lot of small business and medium-sized businesses that listen to this. And the one thing that we determined, um, and I could say this almost retrospectively and real time, is that it had unintended consequences. It made a lot of physical therapy businesses inefficient because it was really a transfer between the unemployment system and having to keep you know employees on. And when that happens, it can prevent practices for making the best decisions for their practices. It, that did not happen at Strive. They continued to operate the business as they needed to. And that was incredibly impressive. Um, I can't say all the others did it that way. And that was a lot of, again, unintended consequences because a lot of practices were prepared for growth. All of a sudden, you're not only growing, you're, are you going to keep the doors open at the end of April? Well, you know, we had practices that were in markets that were deemed essential. And we had others that were you know, not deemed essential in Kentucky, they closed our doors for a week before they were able to really interpret from the federal, you know, the Homeland Security Act that we were deemed essential. So these things were happening all over the place. Um, we had at the time a number of uh, partnerships in development and a number of signed uh, LOIs. I'm proud to say we got all of them complete, but it was a major um, constraint given all the battles of, of, of um, COVID, including ramping back your practice. 
And um, it's no secret that New Jersey was was a little harder hit, I think, in terms of uh, the regulatory side of it and people staying home. Uh, but the ramp back happened. It happened incredibly impressive at Strive. And, and um, along that way, we did a lot more on the pre-integration side and we did a lot more on you know the legal due diligence side. And we continued to you know, kind of run concurrent with all the other kind of stresses and strains in our lives at the time. So it wasn't easy, but we both had a bilateral commitment and that made it easier in terms of the decisions already been made. You know, the rest are just challenges we'll work through. So if you looked at, you know, the deal getting to completion and you looked at the time frame with COVID plopped right in the beginning of it, um, give us an example of what one of the biggest obstacles were and how you guys had to overcome it. Yeah, so there are a couple, three, you know, obstacles that come to mind, not in any order. Certainly the Paycheck Protection Program had its own series of unknowns. The rules kept changing. And then once they decided on the rules, they kept moving back the forgiveness date. I remember at one point, they were supposed to start forgiving these things like August 1st. Well, that didn't happen. And then you had local bank challenges and um, I won't mention the bank that Strive used, but let's just say it was a large national bank uh-huh. that was less flexible, more ornery, and a lot harder challenge to work with, both just kind of logic-wise and execution-wise, but also the legal structure around being able to even get the deal done. So that was one major challenge. The other major challenge is understanding the data and what is the health and vitality of your practice given you know, given COVID and you handle that with data and transparency and um, the information and the ongoing, you know, bilateral due diligence that we kept doing on each other was, was pretty easy to do. And they have great command of their, their data, great attention to detail. So that made that challenge, um, you know, uh, a lot easier. And then the third is just understanding, you know, the health and the environment of the profession as a whole and healthcare and what was going on during that time. And really trying to say, you know, are, what's the demographics of the patients that aren't coming back? Is it truly Medicare patients? Is it um, because you've got um, an overly dependent uh, elective surgery, you know, portion? So we have a couple partnerships where, you know, our average in the company is about 10 to 15 percent. We know of large public companies whose 25 percent of their patients are post-surgical patients. We think less is better, by the way. But in any event, we do have some where where it's a lot higher. So just getting an understanding of okay, you're at 80% or 90%, what's with the 20%? And so, um, you know, I think the environmental challenges around that, uh, you know, learning to work remotely, understanding where telehealth is in your practice and where it isn't. And ultimately, you know, seeing those numbers change drastically from very high to very low where they're currently at today. So amongst those things, kind of the environmental changes, the specifics around PPP, then the practice specifics, um, that we that you know we can get our arms around those those in my mind are kind of the the top three. Yeah, and Larry, I can remember early on having a conversation with you, and I think this continued to ring true as we moved through COVID, and we're still in it. But um, there's always a silver lining, and certainly there's a silver lining here in that we have all learned to cope and work through adversity for sure, and. Um, I've, I've used that line many, many times, and, and it rings very true. So, Eric, what kept you guys engaged on getting this deal done when at some points it must have seemed like it was just not going to happen? So, you know, you talked about it early on. 
it's not that either party had to do anything. We weren't in a position where we were, if we didn't do anything, we wouldn't survive. But the reason we were so engaged and excited about it was because of the fit that was in place. Um, and Confluent was extraordinarily open with us through the entire process as we were with them. So it created this very genuine and down to earth bond across that as we work through these challenges and obstacles. In the end, as we talked you know, and, and recognize the only team that knew of this process in the early stages for us was myself and Mark and Jamie, our partners. So we were also in a very tight knit circle and it's not that the group didn't have emotions because we'd be lying if we said that, but we also held true to the fact, look, they have been phenomenal. They've been open. They've been very engaged through every aspect we have with them, as long as we do our job and continue to focus on what we need to do, we're going to get this there. However, if they didn't happen, we also recognized we'd be fine in the end. If for some reason Confluent had to chase change courses and we revisit, revisit it at another time, we knew that Strive would continue to survive. That isn't what we wanted, but we also knew, look, the, the best way for us to control the outcome of this experience is to do what we do best service our patients, give them incredible care and superior customer service. By doing those things, we'll continue to fill our doors, we'll continue to get our patients in to get them the help they need, they want, and they deserve. And that was the same message to our staff, which aligned with what we were working on behind the scenes with Confluent. Um, it allowed us to fill our seats, so to speak, with, from a patient volume and for our staff to be back to work. So it really just carried through for all, our, all of our objectives. So we heard Larry and Hal Confluent got through some of these obstacles. What was one of the biggest obstacles that you and Strive faced that really required creativity, positive thinking in order to get through? You know, I, I'm assuming you could ask that question on any deal that you talk about, um, because there's always things that are going to come up. But obviously, the concept of a pandemic in the middle of it threw so many other issues and obstacles in there. You know, and the first one would I, you would talk about is the restoration of volume in your clinics. You know, we had this conversation with, you know, Larry and the entire team on Confluent in terms of what our expectations were, and we were all very comfortable with them. Um, but getting back there, knowing the number is one part of it, getting back there is a whole other strategy. Um, and particularly in a clinic like ours that treats so many youth athletes in, in athletic populations, well, youth sports were shut down. So that definitely changed some of the concepts. So it did change our marketing strategies a little bit. Um, we did roll out a few new specialty programs during COVID that we used the PPP money Larry talked about to do a, an intense period of education. We actually rolled out an amputee program and found a, a big need in our market to backfill some of those mission patients to get us up there. So that is definitely one challenge. Um, another challenge that falls into place um, goes back, and again, I won't mention the name of the provider, and but. You know, Larry mentioned the bank that we had to deal with and our broker, you know, did his very best, you know, but the policies this bank put in place and this, I will be honest, this was probably the hardest one and the most frustrating one for me from my position. Because of their lack of engagement or understanding to the complexities of the situation, we had one call that started out with, you know, probably 16 people on a Zoom to talk about the PPP and the bank's lawyer started to call by going, look, I don't care what you've done before. I don't care what's going on. This is what we're doing. And if you don't like it, don't do a deal. That was our intro. So <laughs> those kind of conversations. Now, I can't imagine the stress banks were under with their PPP loans. I, I applaud them for the time, effort and work that they have done. But that was definitely a challenging situation for us. And probably the biggest one, because you had the least control 
or influence over that situation. So what were some of the things that you and your partners did to remain positive when, again, the expectations on this deal in terms of timing, when it's going to happen, how did you guys manage your, your emotions on, on getting through this? Um, belief is the biggest one. There's a, uh, there's a book we read from our leadership group. It's called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you've read it. It talks about the Stockdale paradox. It was a gentleman who was a prisoner of war and they asked him how he got through it. And he said, I just believe that eventually, I don't know when, but eventually we're going to get through this. And that was an underlying tone of all of our conversations. You know, oh my God, is it going to happen August 1st? And we're like, look, whether it doesn't or doesn't, we're going to get through it. Let's use that as a potential target, but let's focus on the fact that we're going to get it done and not marry yourself to a date. And that's the hardest thing when this goal line can keep changing is if you set a date in your mind that it has to be, and if you don't hit it, then you have a slew of negative emotions that start to come with that. It almost feels like a failure. So we we were pretty diligent about not restricting ourselves to a particular date. We would use the words like a potential target or this, this could be an option, weighing some other things, but we never drew a line in the sand internally for us, nor did Confluent recognizing these variables, which allowed us to keep that positive energy. And obviously Confluent was wonderful on that side in all of our negotiations and discussions, keeping that same positive energy and recognizing that we will get to the goal, we will, we will get this done, but we can't put a date on it because there's so many moving parts and it's such a unique situation. Yeah, yeah. well, um, I, I applaud you and your partners um, because I know there were some difficult times when, again, as Larry alluded to in the very beginning, um, we just didn't know. There was just so much uncertainty. You know, as we know and you know, sellers, um, companies that have partnered with other companies, they're always fearful of telling their staff the referring physicians about the sale or partnership of their company. For you and your partners, what has been your strategy and how has your staff and your referral sources responded? Um, I can understand why companies will have that feeling and that emotion. One of the biggest things for us is we evaluated and looked at potential partners. And one of the reasons it was such a great fit with Confluent is not only did our core values and our cultures align, but we also weren't changing who we were. There wasn't going to be a come in and like, okay, you guys have done an amazing job. Now, wipe the slate clean. This is how we're gonna reorganize you. This is how we're gonna change roles and responsibilities. This is it. There wasn't that approach to this partnership. Um, As well as, again, we talked early on, we had set certain objectives that we wanted to achieve. And a lot of these dealt with our staff and different ways we wanted to give them opportunities to grow and develop. You know, and I'm going to pick on an easy one. We have an emerging leaders program, but we were talking about different levels of that to really move people up from a a leadership level to bring them higher levels of education, training, and mentorship in that area. Well, all these things Confluent already had in place. That was another factor for us as we looked at it. We're like, wow, these are like three programs that we wanted to put in place and they're already here. So with respect to telling staff, Obviously, there's inefficient and pause. Everybody responds differently. The biggest thing was for us, we, and again, you're a pandemic. We couldn't bring people in a room. We couldn't have a big celebration and announce it. We did a video for staff. We sent some information. And then we did three or four town halls the first week at lunchtimes for everybody and just answered everybody's questions. The night before we did that release, we got all our leadership on a call and walked them through everything that was going on. So everybody felt very comfortable. But once we started to line up certain things that they were going to be offering and our staff felt very confident and comfortable that we weren't, things weren't changing tomorrow. Things aren't changing and, and 
we're not changing the reason people work here. Everybody has a why to what they're doing. And the why of why they chose Strive to, to partner with and be an, be an employee of stayed in place. So that facet really made it easy for our staff. Um, from a physician side, it, it's a similar message because Confluent wasn't coming in to change who we are. Confluent, Confluent's really bettering who we are. They're giving us more tools and more opportunities to be better at what we do and to improve what we do. And I think we do an amazing job, but the tools that they're giving us are really just going to elevate our game. And when we have these conversations with physicians, they're like, oh, wow, this sounds great. This is going to be awesome. Keep us in the loop. You know, they've taken it, you know, they, they see the positive energy that's developed out of this. So it's been very well received on every side. Yeah, and that, that's um, uh, really great to know um, because so many, so many owners, that is one of their biggest fears is that how would I ever tell my staff? And what I heard from you, and I think for all of you, what we heard from Eric was that this was almost a celebration for the staff as well as for the physicians because the partnership actually improved their position. Um, and I think they'll have to prove that over time um, but certainly, you know, early on, it sounds like things are going well. So Larry, Thanks. in a deal like this, there are always some unexpected benefits. What has been some of those, or give us one of those unexpected benefits that you are seeing now in this deal? Yeah, well, there's plenty. Um, you know, we had a long due diligence time because of the pandemic. And one of the things you oftentimes cannot assess is how resilient and how gritty an organization is. So, um, you know, with this length of time, you know, grit is perseverance and passion for the long haul and resiliency is the ability to bounce back. And we had the added advantage, if you will, of being able to assess that at Strive just because of the length of the, the deal time because of the pandemic. And um, every box is amazingly checked. This is a group whose command of their business whose execution intelligence and whose level of detail, they're tremendous operators. And as you well know, being in the business that you're in, Paul, not all of your practices that you advise are great operators. You know, many of them have survived and done well because they've been in a position to do that. But this is a company that plans, that has incredible growth opportunities. I, I would say their growth opportunities are even better than we expected. Their operational execution is better than we expected. The grit and the resiliency is something we didn't know because that. And, you know, the one thing you don't prepare for a pandemic, but leadership prepares you for challenges and great leaders rise during crises and seeing the leadership that Jamie, Mark and Eric um, is just, you know, impressive and beyond what we what we had, uh, you know, assessed in our in our early side of it. So uh, tremendous um, uh, boost. Awesome. Awesome. And Eric, how about for you? Any unexpected benefits that you guys are seeing um, from this partnership? You know, I don't think I have the full list yet because we're still in our honeymoon period, but I'm going to give you two <laughs> things that really popped into my head. You know, one, you know, the, the due diligence period was great. We loved everybody we got to know and, and I enjoyed talking to them tremendously and still keep in touch with them. But one of the two things that stand out, we had our first integration call and Strive is a company that we do a ton to grow from within. You know, our, our director of marketing um, started with us as a volunteer, then worked as an aide and then ran a front desk and now runs our marketing department and doing an exceptional job. And for us, not only is it a loyalty component, but that it makes you so prideful 
as a team member for those individuals you've been with forever. And I, I point out that story in our first integration call, everybody talked a little bit about their history with their given companies. And it was a theme throughout Confluent. We got off the call and our entire team went, I felt like we were looking at ourselves in the mirror. This person used to wash Larry's car and now she runs this. This person knew Larry there, now they're involved here. It, it speaks volumes to the character and the individuals in an organization when people wanna stay connected for that long period of time. Because any one of these individuals could have opportunities elsewhere and to have that kind of connection and community over that period of time it, it is just wonderful. And the second part of it, which I knew was out there, but I didn't know the volumes of, Larry has talked about this League of Nations approach, but the connection, and we're going to see it in all different levels, and I'm just starting to see it on my side, on the, the, the CEO um, group, I guess I'll call it, and Larry, I'm sure we'll have a better word. I'm sorry if I don't give the right one, Larry. But there's so much connection with these individuals of people trying to help people. A question may come up, or maybe someone is reporting on X, Y, and Z. People are offering assistance, guidance, and it's coming from all over the country. And I'll be honest with you, Paul, I'm a little intimidated when I look at the roster of companies that's under Confluent Family's name. And you know, I'm like, all right, we're the low man on the totem pole here. They have such a litany of accomplished and spectacular groups. And to be included in that is such an honor. So I'm just trying to absorb like a sponge, taking all this feedback in that is coming from all these individuals. That has been remarkable and, and for me, exceptional opportunity to grow and develop. Yeah, such a great point too, Eric, because you, know, you have the peer-to-peer -peer groups um, that do such a great job at getting private practices together and, and talking and sharing ideas. But there's something different and unique when you're all part of the same team, when you can really, really share you know, what's going on day to day as well as numbers, et cetera, et cetera, that I think you know, brings that to a whole new level. And you know, I would tell you that you, know, you guys are obviously one of the larger practices in the country, private practices. Um, even for practices of your size and certainly smaller, sometimes you know practices they feel like they're on an island all by themselves, um, and there's really nobody to consistently bounce ideas off of and continue to grow from. So, yeah, I'm glad you're you're finding that as an unexpected benefit. For sure, for sure. Eric, I've known you long enough to know one thing that you have studied way back over a summer ago every single avenue of someday partnering and or selling your company. But you chose to, to hire our company rather than to do it yourself. What advice would you have for other owners about the value of using a firm like ours and what they should be looking for? So what my first thing I would say is whether you have the knowledge, whether you believe you have the knowledge base and or skill to represent yourself, I still don't think it would be in your best interest. There's too many emotions connected to it on a personal level for an individual who's trying to represent themselves. You know, when a potential company that you're going to partner with or that wants to acquire you, they're going to ask hard questions and difficult questions. And it's nice to have somebody be a little bit of a shield so you can keep your emotions in check and really get to the, 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 raw data of what the question needs to be answered, as well as you can never discredit, not just their knowledge base to handle the, the negotiations, but more importantly, and particularly in this case, your firm and in particular, Tom Carden, who we worked with on this deal, he knows so much about every group out there. That is not something that has anything else to do with your ability as a broker. It was his knowledge in the field that was a separating fact for us. 
we could talk about everything from A to Z. I would have a bunch of info, bring it to Tom. And he's like, all right, here, let me answer these questions for you. This is what I know about here, here, and here. But it was specific to our field. So that intimate knowledge to our field gave us so much value and made it really well worth it for us from a representation standpoint. Well, I appreciate that. Um, Larry, anything more on what you believe firms should be looking for in an advisor? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think the best way that I, I try to explain it when people ask me is don't look for an advisor as though you were selling your house. When you're selling your house, you're looking for a reputable broker, a real estate broker, who by and large is looking to get, you believe will get it sold fast and for the most amount of money. And yes, you have memories and emotions connected with your house, but most people are generally going from one house to another place and they're looking forward to it and they won't miss their old house. It's not true with a business. So you have to have somebody that has a sensitivity and an emotional intelligence around your business. And that has to be experts that have physical therapy background who, as Eric articulated, understand in depth the companies that you're going to be interviewing. You know, when you interview a therapist, the two most unreliable things for accessing any any prospective employee is their resume, you know, and their interview. So you have to have somebody who's able to look past the resume and the interview. And you have to have a banker or a broker who understands that, who also understands your values and your mission and what is in the best alignment. Because it's never all about price anymore because there's too much complexities around price. Um, there isn't an equalization, you know, in our industry and most are wanting to go for the future. So it's really a function of the in-depth knowledge of the industry and the individual and the connection in both those realms. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Paul, can I add one thing to that? Please do. So Larry, you hit it on the head when you talked about you know selling your house versus selling your business. And I think back to some of the broker meetings that we had, and these are people I had known over time. There was numerous uh, brokers that we came in to do an interview with, and their first question was, Okay, so how much money do you guys want out of this deal? You know, what do you, what's, and the focus immediately went to what's it going to be worth and how much am I going to get you? And I'll think back now, Tom does have the, the luxury, I'll say, in this circumstance compared to others that he's known us for a while. Tom's first question is, okay, so what are you guys looking for? What do you want to achieve? What do you want tomorrow to be like? We didn't even talk about money for 45 minutes. And, and that was more of what this conversation meant to us. Because it wasn't about money. It was, is there a good partner out there for us or not? And if there's not, we're going to find a way to do it on our own. It was about, were there better options than what we're talking about on our own by finding the right partner, not about any financial exchange. So it was a big difference the way Tom approached that conversation versus what Larry was talking about. Yes. And, and Eric, you know, um, I'm going to finish. Um, you guys obviously paid close attention because I have heard it 100,000 times. It's culture first, then it's the structure of a deal, then finally there's the price that also comes with that. And if that culture is, is, is the match, that's usually where you're gonna find the best structure and the best price. Um, and you know, look, the, the, for me, the, this, this is a celebration day. It really, really is. Um, Eric, I have known you. Um, obviously, um, I've known you and your partners um, and I've been following your growth for over 14 years. And what I've admired most is the absolute commitment that Strive has made for unparalleled patient care. You know, as an observer of this deal, 
I am so pleased and so impressed that you have joined an organization that matches that passion for excellence in patient care. You know, there's many owners out there and they are on a similar mission that you guys are on. But they worry that joining a large national company will end that mission. What I can tell you is that I believe that this partnership proves that with the right partner, you can further the mission. And we've heard that from you, Eric, over and over again in today's talk. Agreed. Mark, Eric, Mark, Jamie, <laughs> Larry, I would like to congratulate all of you on forming what I believe will be one of the best partnerships in the United States. I, I wish you all of the best going forward. And um, I'm so happy for all of you. And thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. We, uh, we completely agree with you, Paul. We're excited as well. Very, very excited as well. Thank you for having me, Paul. Yeah, thank you guys. And so for all of you out there, again, special day um, to have Larry and Eric um, with us. If any of you have any questions on what we covered today, um, or you'd like to have a conversation with Larry or Eric, um, click below and set up a discussion with me, and I'd be happy to talk to you, and I look forward to our future discussions. Thank you, and have a great rest of your day.